Thank you, choir. And that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. You know, are we willing to be sent out by the Lord? You know, oftentimes we think about Christianity and we think, you know, yes, we've been saved from sin and we stop there and we don't realize, yes, we've been saved from something, but we fail to realize sometimes that we've been saved for something. You know, God wants to send us out into the world and represent Jesus in all that we do every single day, every moment, every day of the week, not just on Sunday morning. And that's something that every one of you need to ask yourselves. Have I placed my faith in Christ? And am I on mission with Christ? Am I seeking to tell others about Christ? Because time is short. Life is a vapor. And that's what we're learning in Ecclesiastes. In light of eternity, we have a little dot on the timeline. And the question is, what will we do with it? And I was, we were in our finance study earlier. And it's interesting, uh, Rick Warren was doing our session this morning. And he was saying that, you know, God's going to ask us two questions when we stand before him. The first one will be, what did we do with his son, Jesus Christ? And the second will be, what did you do with what I gave you? And I think that song deals with that second piece. What I want to be sent out by the Lord. Not only do I want to be forgiven of my sin, which I do, but I also want to be on mission with God day in, day out. I want to live for Him. And I think this uh, passage in Ecclesiastes that we're going to look at today is going to help us do that because it's going to take our eyes off of temporary things that we so often go after so hard. And hopefully it's going to redirect our eyes to Christ. And you know, as we, uh, you can actually turn there, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 26. We're going to look at the whole chapter this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, you can use the one in front of you in the pew there. And uh, you can try to find that. It's just after the Psalms and Proverbs. So if you basically turn your Bible, if you have a you know, paper Bible, not on your phone or iPod or iPad, paper Bible, and you turn it in the middle, you'll probably land in the Psalms, and then just go a few books over to the right, and you'll find Ecclesiastes. But we're in this time of the year where it's fall. And uh, as you go outside, things are changing. And one of my favorite things to do, and probably yours as well, is to see the leaves change. And it's just a beautiful sight. And some, some of you may take a trip to the mountains of North Georgia, the mountains of North Carolina, to partake of that beauty. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a trail, you know, walking through the mountains, taking in the sights, and just exploring. And I know I've done that several times. And oftentimes you'll see a trail, and you may not know where that trail goes, but you may say, I'm going I'm to try out this trail and just see where it goes going to explore today or maybe you were driving through the mountains and you decided you know what I'm going to I'm going to go down this road and see where it leads and we've often done that especially if we see like a gravel road in the mountains that doesn't have a gate or no trespassing sign you know we'll maybe drive down there just to see where it goes and that's how paths are and roads are they just go and lead different places and really when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes it's full of roads it's full of paths And Solomon is taking these paths, taking these roads, and he knows the destination that he wants to to find. He wants to find meaning. He wants to find satisfaction. He wants to find something that's going to last. And so he begins to go down these different paths trying to find those things. And he's tried several paths already. He's tried uh, just the natural world. He's tried work. He's tried knowledge and wisdom. And today he's going to turn his attention to the path of pleasure. The road of pleasure. 
And he's going to try to go down this road and see if it leads to meaning and fullness and satisfaction. And on this path of pleasure, or this road of pleasure, you might say, there are several lanes that he's going to try. Okay, so it, the umbrella road is the road of pleasure, the path of pleasure. But then within that, there are several uh, you know, lanes, so to speak, that he's going to go down. The first one is the pleasure of the senses. Look at verses 1 through 3. Solomon says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly. Till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven. During the few days of their life. So his first, first path of pleasure, the road of pleasure is wine, laughter, the kind of senses of the body, you know, trying to get the most out of life through uh, the senses, the pleasure of the senses. And obviously we still do the same thing today, whether it be through wine or alcohol or drugs. You know, we, we go to the or food, we go to these uh, avenues, these pathways of pleasure, seeking to find fulfillment and satisfaction only to have to deal with the hangover the next day, right? I mean, it lets you down. It can't keep it going. And so... And every time it, it provides less and less enjoyment until it finally enslaves you. And so no longer is it really a matter of giving you pleasure, but it's keeping you from feeling bad, right? Just trying to get by. And uh, that's what Solomon says. I tried, I tried wine while at, while at the same time backing up and saying, you know, I'm going to keep taking notes and see how this turns out. And he says, it's all vanity. It's all passing away. There seems to be something more. There, there needs to be something more. It's left him unsatisfied. The second road of pleasure he tries is the pleasure of work and accomplishments in verses 4 through 6. He says, I made great works. And notice the plurals here, not just singular. I made great works. I built houses, planted vineyards, you know. Not more than just one or two. He planted multiple houses, planted vineyards. I made myself gardens and parks, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. In other words, Solomon could have his own show on HGTV. You know, he has the houses, the gardens. I mean, you know, a day in the life of Solomon. You're going through his houses, episode one, season one, this house, episode one season two, this house. Now we're going to the gardens. Look, he's got pools. He's got irrigation. He's growing fruit trees. I mean, he's putting his hands to work and thinking, hey, maybe, maybe if I just am diligent, I build stuff and I make stuff, this will bring meaning and satisfaction. Maybe if I just, you know, have a bigger house or a bigger car, a newer car or more land or, you know, a higher paying job or Whatever it may be, he's saying, if I just can do this, maybe that'll bring satisfaction. And maybe that's where you are too in your life. You're just thinking, well, if I can just, once I get this job, or once, once I make this amount of money, or once I have this car, this house, this relationship, this thing, I will be satisfied. And Solomon says, you know what, I've tried that all, and it is vanity. 
It's striving after the wind. It's trying to feed on the wind. It doesn't satisfy. It leaves you empty. The third road or lane he tries is the pleasure of possessions and riches. Verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of men. Let me talk about that last part there. Wives and concubines, Solomon had over a thousand. And just to give you perspective here, Solomon could have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a year with a different woman. A whole year and never see one twice. And so he said, I tried it all. Everything you can think of that you may think brings delight, satisfaction, meaning, I tried it all. He said, I have singers, both men and women. See, Solomon, he didn't have a radio. He didn't have records or CDs or iTunes. And so the way you had to listen to music is you had to listen to it live. And so what do you do if you want a little collection of music? Well, you bring in different singers. You hire, buy different singers. And Solomon has a specific genre in mind. He calls this person. Hey, sing me this song. He had the largest iTunes library in Israel. You know, he could just pull out any song he wanted. And he says, it's all vanity. It did not. Supply what I needed. The fourth road he tries is the pleasure of power and position. Verses 9 to 11. He says, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me. I'm the greatest. You know, I rose up in the ranks. I'm the greatest in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom will remain with me. And whenever my eyes desired, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. So basically he said, anything I wanted, I took. And tried. Now we can't do that because we don't have the resources of Solomon. You know, we can't have anything we but he could. He could have anything he wanted. And he said, Anything I wanted, I pursued. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had experienced in doing it, and behold, all was vanity. And a striving after a wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And so what he's saying there is, you know, I enjoyed doing it while I was doing it. Like in the moment, I was enjoying it. And that's the nature of pleasure under the sun, right? It's, it's enjoyable for a moment. But then Solomon says, but then it leaves you the next day with nothing. It, it can't sustain it. it. It can't sustain pleasure. Pleasure cannot sustain satisfaction and meaning it just can't do it. And Solomon had everything a person could want, and yet he still finds himself, he found himself wanting. And the philosopher Immanuel Kant said this: He said, Give a man everything he wants, and at that moment, everything is not everything. Give a man everything he wants, and at that moment, everything is not everything. In other words, we have this insatiable appetite for satisfaction and we cannot find it under the sun. Even if you had everything, Kant says, at that moment, it's not everything. And so as Solomon's driving down this road of pleasure seeking meaning, he reaches several conclusions. The first conclusion is in verses 12 through 17. And it's this. 
Pleasure has no answer for death. Pleasure has no answer for death. Verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man who comes after what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life, because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after wind. So what Solomon is doing is he's stepping back and he's saying, you know, practically, you know, to get the most out of life, it makes sense to be wise than to be foolish. But ultimately, both will die. And Solomon looks at the fool and the fool dies and then he thinks to himself, I've accumulated all this wisdom and knowledge and yet I'm going to die as well. What good is it in the long run? Pleasure has no answer for death. And second, he concludes that pleasure has no lasting value. Verses 18 and 19. He says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. And Solomon says, you know, I built all these houses. I made all these gardens. I accumulated all these herds. I have all this gold and silver. But guess what? I'm going to die and I'm going to leave it to my son. And my son may be an idiot. And if he's an idiot... He's just going to just spend all my money and wreck all my gardens. What good is it? And actually, Solomon's son was an idiot. <laughs> Did just that. But that's the thing. He's saying, okay, I'm, I'm building my life. I'm, I'm spending my life to accumulate all this stuff. And then I die and I leave it to somebody else. And they're just going to spend it all. Is that really what life's all about? Let me just give you an example. And I'm sure you could... Probably tell this story a hundred times over. But F.W. Woolworth, some of you remember the Woolworth chain stores. He had one of the largest fortunes in the world by the early 1900s. And a portion of his fortune went to his granddaughter, Barbara Hutton, when she turned 21. In tw- when she turned 21 in 1933, and she inherited $50 million in 1933. So she was one of the richest women in the United States of America. And yet she was unable to find personal happiness. Just listen to this. She married seven times, including among her husbands, a prince, a count, and the actor Cary Grant. Some of y'all know who that is. Some of you don't. He was an actor. Hutton spent her life battling drug and alcohol dependency and anorexia, and her numerous divorces left her almost bankrupt. And when the reclusive Hutton finally died at age 66... She weighed less than 100 pounds and had only $3,000 of her fortune remaining. So Solomon looks back at this and says, okay, you have Woolworth, 
amassing his great fortune, leaving it to his children, grandchildren, and they just spin it and then die. And he says, that's just vanity. Striving after the wind. Is that really the meaning of life? I mean, is that really what's going to sustain you? Is that really what life's all about? Is that going to bring satisfaction? He says, no way. Third, he concludes that the road of pleasure actually leads you to a place of despair, sorrow, worry, annoyance, and sleeplessness. Look at verse 20. So I turned about and gave my heart to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So basically what he's saying is, you know, you're, the more you accumulate, he's built all these houses, he's built all these gardens, he has all these women, he has all this stuff, and he says, you know what, I thought that was going to bring me pleasure, and I enjoyed accumulating those things. And all that. But then I figured out, you know what? I have to maintain all that stuff. And I can't even sleep at night. Because I'm thinking about all my stuff. And all of the responsibility I have. And it bothers me that I know that this is all going to just be inherited by someone else. And they're going to rip it up and tear it up. And it's not going to last. And I've spent all my life building this up. And so he says, pleasure leads me to despair, realizing that all that I've sought to find meaning in is going to pass away. Someone else is going to inherit it, then someone else after that. And I can't even get a good night's sleep because all this is weighing on my mind because I'm trying to maintain it because that's what my life is wrapped up in. He said, this is vanity. And so what is happening here is Solomon is going down these roads trying to find meaning and purpose and, and satisfaction in life. And it's like every path he takes is lined with a row of spike strips. Have you ever seen these spike strips that lay in the road? They're meant to blow out your tires. Every road he takes under the sun, apart from God, to seek meaning and satisfaction, they blow out his tires. And he's left stranded. He's left empty. I actually want you to look at your bulletin. If you have your bulletin. And look on the back, I put a picture, actually on the, sorry, in the uh, announcement section in the middle of your bulletin under the fall festival, I put a picture of this spike strip, an interesting type of spike strip that I found at a rental car place in Dallas. I was out in Dallas, Texas about, a, about three months ago at a missions conference, and we had to rent a car, and so we went to this rental car place, and they had this type of spike strip at the entrance of their uh, facility. And what's interesting about this type of spike strip, and I think this is the type of spike strip that is a good illustration of what Solomon is experiencing. Because if you notice, the spike strip is shaped like a shark's fin. And so if your car drives one way over the strips, the, the, the spikes will blow out all your tires and leave you stranded. But if you drive over the other way, the spikes lower down into the ground and you can drive right over them. So you have this path, and today we're talking about this path of pleasure. You have this spike strip that goes across and it just depends on which way you travel down this path, whether or not your tires are going to be blown out and you're going to be left stranded. 
And what Solomon is doing is he's trying to reach the destination of meaning and satisfaction. And God is telling us, if you try to go down the path of pleasure to find that, you're going to blow out your tires. That road is lined with the spike strips. But to conclude from that, that pleasure is bad would be a wrong, would be wrong and would be a mistake. Because pleasure is a good thing, just like knowledge is a good thing, wisdom is a good thing, the world is a good thing. However, it's never meant to bear the weight of meaning and satisfaction. Because in your heart, you long for something more, you long for something eternal, significant, and you can try to fill it with things of the world, but you're going to be left just like Solomon, empty, you're going to be left in a place of despair, worry, annoyance, and sleeplessness. But what God tells us and what Solomon concludes in verses 24 through 26 is that when you seek God first, the knowledge, pleasure, work, the world, all these things come into focus and you're able to enjoy them the way God intended. Look at verse 24. It says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from Him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases Him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, He has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. So in other words, Christians, those who have a relationship with God and know God, we should be the people who get the most out of life. Because we're not depending on the things of the world to give us meaning and significance. That all comes from God. And so we're not putting this weighty responsibility on the things of the world, whether it be a relationship with your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or parents or children or your work, or money, or pleasure, or property, or possessions, or position. We're not putting the weight of, hey, you have to give me meaning, so I'm going to keep pursuing you. We're not putting the weight of that on those things. We're plugging that straight into the Lord. We know that the Lord gives us meaning, purpose, and significance because we're made for Him. And once we have that connection, then we can enjoy the things of the world and not worship them which is what we were doing prior to coming to know Christ personally. Now we worship God, whereas before we worship the things of the world, which is what Solomon is trying to seek meaning in, trying to find meaning through the worship of things rather than the worship of God. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says, if you seek second things first, you lose both first and second. But if you seek first things first, you gain both first and second. And this is what he's talking about, just like what Solomon is talking about. When you have a relationship with God, when you see that meaning is found not under heaven, but in heaven, then the things of the world become clearer. You begin to understand their purpose and you can enjoy them because you're not seeking to worship them. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611, listen to this. The psalmist says this. You make known to me the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
You see, if you want to enjoy life the way life is meant to be enjoyed, you must know God. Because it's only through a relationship with God that you will be able to enjoy not only Him, but also the things of the world without worshiping them. And this is what Solomon concluded at the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Knowing God is the linchpin. And we know that the only way we know God personally is through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to share one more scripture with you before we close. John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. John 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and this is what He prays in John 17, 3. Now listen, He says, And this is eternal life. And He's about to tell you what eternal life is all about. And this is eternal life. Blank. Just fill in the blank. And this is eternal life. What's life all about? Well, this is what He says. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what it's all about. That's what life is all about. It's knowing God. And through knowing God, you can then see the things of the world the way they ought to be seen. And enjoy the things of the world the way they ought to be enjoyed. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Not that you experience pleasure or gain a bunch of knowledge, or work really hard, but rather that you know God. And if you want to experience life the way God intended, both now and for all eternity, you must give your life to God by turning from the paths that you have traveled to seek meaning and turn to Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. And the one who has the power to put us in a right relationship with God. And so you need to ask yourself this morning, one, do you know God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And if you do have faith in Christ, you need to ask yourself, is there anything that I'm worshiping other than Christ? Is there anything I'm trying to seek significance in other than my relationship with God? And if you see something, you know, maybe uh, float up to the surface of your heart, that the Holy Spirit points to and says, you know, Ron, I want you to look at this part right here, this part of your life. You still think your, your, your meaning comes from this or your, significant come, your significance comes from that. And if you're wondering, well, Ron, how do I know if I'm trying to find meaning and significance in these different ways? Just ask yourself, what makes you angry? What keeps you up at night? Solomon said, you know, when I was worshiping the things of the world, I could not sleep well because I kept thinking about things. You know, what's, what is the subject of your nightmares or the subject of your daydreams? These are the things you're worshiping. These are the things that you may be placing at a higher place than God and seeking significance and meaning in. And Solomon simply says, there, that is vanity. It's a striving after the wind. You're going to try to feed on wind and you're going to leave empty. The only way you can experience life and life to the full is through Jesus Christ. And it's through the lens of faith in Him that you can see the world the way it ought to be seen. And enjoy the world the way it ought to be enjoyed. Because at His right hand, 
our pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, that is our prayer. Lord, we just give you our hearts. We open them up to you. Lord, you know our hearts are idol factories. That's what we produce. We produce idols. That's what we do. Apart from you, left to ourselves, we worship the the creature rather than the creator. And Lord, I'm I'm thankful that you have not left us in this place, but that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to penetrate the darkness, to expose the idolatry, expose the sin, so that in Christ we may have life And have it to the full. That we may know you. And enjoy the life that you've given us. Like Paul says. Whether it's in plenty or in want. There is a contentment that is found. In being in a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I pray for each person here. That if they do not know you. Holy Spirit would you bring conviction. And would you keep them up at night. Until they place their faith in Jesus. And those of us who are your children, Lord, would you expose in our own hearts, in your gentle way, how we are trusting in other things other than you, and help us to have our faith renewed and recentered on what you've done for us in Jesus. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.